Okay, well, welcome once more to a very special Q&A, extra bonus episode of Banter. We um, always are so optimistic, Mitch, that we're going to get through all of the content, that we're going to answer yeah. all of the questions, and yet here we are once again humbled on yes. a Monday afternoon. Well, that first question was, I, I looked at it and it was about prayer and I was like, oh, we can't answer that now. It needs a bit more thought to be answered properly. I, I wanted to respect the questioner by giving it yeah. more thought. Yeah. Yeah. Discussion than just something off the cuff. Some yeah. questions you answer off the cuff, but some need like a bit more time to, you know, answer properly. A bit of marinating. Yeah, a bit of marinating. <laughs> you want to do justice to it. So yeah, well, hopefully that whoever asked that question, you're actually listening in now. Yeah. And you know, there's there's always, I'm sure, a space for other people who didn't uh, ask the question to be mm. equally blessed. And it is obviously something that a few people in our congregation are thinking about because we actually had two similar questions come mm. through uh, yesterday while we were exploring the idea of Jesus as the um, second head of the Trinity, which is a bit of a misleading yeah. thing sometimes because, you know, they're all equally important. Yeah, you kind of think um, that Jesus was second dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's sort of like, Jesus was neither second in importance or second in chronology. Yeah. You know, they were all there in the beginning. They're all equally important. <laughs> I think some of the complexity of the language we use, you know, the, yeah, yeah, personhood and all that, it makes it, um, yeah, challenging. Hmm. And that was why I had that question, wanted to start off with the misconception that we have that Jesus was born mm. at Christmas. And mm. that was just yeah, unintentionally just thinking that, oh, Jesus mm. sort of existence. Mm. One of the feedback I got was someone was just sharing how they'd never really understood that Jesus was actually there. And seeing sure. the angel of the Lord figure, oh, wow, like actually there is mm. precedent for God yes. appearing like still one God, but having this person, yeah. angel of the Lord, or being yeah. a fire or mm. a commander or whoever mm. it may be like mm. there. And so yeah. they found that quite mind boggling, but also helpful, like understanding that Jesus just didn't come out of a vacuum. Mm. How would you respond to the statement that Jesus was born at Christmas but eternally begotten? Oof. Yeah. There is has to be true of that because Jesus as a man is born. Mm. And so th this is what I find. This is a part of the incarnation that I just find mind-boggling is that, well, going back to that Philippians 2 passage, like Jesus emptying himself, that kenosos, mm. Um, where we get that two nature, sort of Jesus' divine nature and Jesus' human nature mm -hmm. and the, the hypostatic union, as they call it, the combination of the two natures mm -hmm. together. So John tells us that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And so Jesus, yeah, that moment humbles himself, mm -hmm. doesn't see, yeah, quality of God, something to be grasped, but somehow becomes a person. Because we're told in Luke, let me find it. I had it in the slides. Luke, Luke two fifty two. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So there's this, yeah. Jesus formed as a normal human. He was born mm. as we were born yeah. through a human mother. Yeah, and was a baby and would have been fed and pooed and yeah. did all the normal baby things. Yeah, it wasn't some special child that and that was one of the her heresies the early church had to deal with was doceticism and mm. it comes from the Greek, Greek word to seem like Jesus there was because in I'll go back another step so in the Gentiles there was a sort of view of what's called Gnosticism where mm -hmm. the flesh is evil and the spirit is good and mm -hmm. so if you 
are agnostic with that background and suddenly here comes this teaching from Christians about mm. worshipping God who is men. Like, that no, God no, took on flesh. Like, no, that's wrong. Like yeah, flesh yeah. is evil. Sure. And that and actually teaching kind of really permeated the, the Middle Ages church where mm. there was <clears throat> priests and monks would starve themselves and not eat food and mm. not get married because mm. anything fleshly was evil. Mm. And so there was a few heresies. And one John writes, this way he says anyone who denies Jesus came in the flesh is mm. from the Antichrist. Mm. It's, because that was the issue. They're saying, well, no, 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 Jesus just seemed human. Mm. He wasn't actually human because God would never do that. So, mm. yeah, and that is a challenge to like that statement. Like, of course, mm. Jesus was eternal, but there's that moment he was born. Mm. And that, for me, mm. like, that's why I find Christmas just so mind-boggling. Mm. We, we just kind of go, oh, yeah, Jesus was born, and that's cool. I was like, this isn't the most profound, complex yeah. thing so ever. so desensitized. Yeah, and so that's, that was one of the, particularly this week, to, and next week we'll look more at the incarnation with the Spirit's role in mm. that. Yeah, is I don't know how that works. We, I, I don't know if Jesus knew what was happening in the womb. Like yeah. I read Luke 2.52 and say, well, he wouldn't because he grew mm. in nature mm. as a human and yeah yeah so and uh, i have a quote here from a theologian called wayne gruden from his book systematic theology and so he argues that using john five nineteen, um i can do nothing on my own the son can do nothing on his own accord but only what he sees his father doing and so gruden suggests that jesus when he does different things like knows like what people's thoughts are, mm. it's God allowing that mm. through the Spirit. Mm. And so there's a sense that tension of Jesus' human nature is has turned on God's will being revealed through him. Mm-hmm. And that's and mm-hmm. again, this is all like we have to just sort of speculate. We're just kind of mm. looking at the text doesn't tell us any of this stuff. It doesn't go into mm. which I suppose is the fun part about theology is where mm read a passage, read a narrative where Jesus gives us little hints and we're like, okay, what does that mean? So, mm. yeah. If that kind of answers the question. Um, I, I think it brings up about mm. 10,000 yeah, other questions, <laughs> but that is the nature of, of banter. And I think I, I do want to get to these questions, but I do just want to go on a quick tangent mm. one step further because I think as we explore this idea of God the Son mm. as an incarnational, literally mm. incarnate, took on flesh, yeah. God, um, we do start to have to reconsider some of our misconceptions around um, asceticism, which essentially mm. is denying flesh, you know, mm. denying our fleshly wants and desires. <clears throat> um, Paul does speak about um, abstaining from sex within yeah. a marriage, but only for a time. Yeah, so there is, there is, you know, a, a standard yep, there. Yep. We see Jesus himself fasts. Mm. Um, so there is obviously some standard for denying our physical desires, mm. even in ways which aren't sinful, because obviously, you know, Jesus then went and ate. So eating and fulfilling our mm. hunger isn't sinful. Mm. And likewise, I think within that paradigm that Paul is giving us of a husband and wife abstaining and only mm. for a time, it's saying, but then come back together mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. a husband and wife should have intercourse, should mm-hmm. have sex. So neither of these things are being framed as sinful, but it is also being framed as a beneficial practice yeah. to sometimes abstain for yeah. a time. Yeah. So if these things aren't evil, 
what is the benefit and intention yeah. and yeah value mm. of that yeah i used to be yeah not to my home there's a period there where i'd fast every friday mm. i just found it a really helpful spiritual discipline every time i got hungry to pray what jesus told satan in the wilderness mm. man shall not live on bread alone but on the word of god and yeah, I found just every time I had my tummy grumble would make me pray for those who are hungry, literally. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, it just, I found it as a bit of a, a self-denial exercise for a short mm. period just to help when my human pain came up was to mm. yeah lean on God or mm. to remember those who were suffering. So, mm. yeah, it's funny now. There's people who fast for like, whole bunch of reasons now and sure yeah often i aren't yeah. very spiritual like I, no. when i was working in one gym there was a guy who fast oh, i'm doing this you know fast to get i don't know whatever he was trying to accomplish that. yeah washboard abs yeah yeah mm. but um yeah so i see it that way is yeah and, and i guess like all things in, in christianity you can take things to an extreme mm. and so you can go too far into like just indulging yourself and mm. yeah being a glutton or you can go into that real self-denial and almost mm. be self-harming and so yeah absolutely but what's cool is that jesus he says when you fast you know you wash yourself you clothe yourself you do it in secret put oil on your face yeah, don't disfigure your faces a, yeah the, there's a yeah. way of like christianity and like even with prayer which is what we'll pick up on with that quick two questions we got about mm. that but yeah you do it in your closet do it privately mm. and you don't use lots of fancy words mm-hmm. which is why jesus said our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name mm. the kingdom come your will be done mm. which ironically i feel like sounds a lot fancier than i probably was when he was teaching his disciples to do it yeah, you know, like yeah. hallowed be your name yeah, <laughs> thy kingdom so. come you're like i feel like this is maybe slightly undermining the simplicity of what yeah. jesus was trying to communicate in this well prayer. it's funny even in um <clears throat> Even a lot of modern Bible translations still keep hallowed. It's yeah. become just part of the, the vernacular. Yeah. In, in English. I think even like, oh, there'd be a lot of secular people that'd be at least familiar with those words, the Lord's Prayer. It's sort of quite a famous... Yeah. Before I became Christian, that was what I got taught as, I guess, a memory verse yeah. or memory passage at script, in scripture class. Mm. And it was literally the only part of the Bible yeah. before I became a Christian so that I could already saying, quote. You know. still use it in Parliament. And so <laughs> hallowed is just a really fancy way of saying make holy yeah. your name. And so mm. I think I mentioned it last week. I forget what I say and don't say that Richard Balcom one of his books, one of his many books he's written, talks about like that whole Yahweh, you wouldn't say Yahweh's name, so it'd say Adonai, mm. and Jesus adopting that Jewish practice, like Father is a way of talking to God about using his name. So he says, hallowed mm. be your name. Like He's like, well, the name clearly is referring to Yahweh. Mm. Mm. And like name wasn't just, oh, you're Murray, I'm Mitch. Like name represented identity. Mm-hmm. And so making hallowed or making holy God's name is mm-hmm. for Yahweh. I mean, something like I am or, you know, I'm always existent. So God will never change. And yeah. So making holy that. We want yeah. to continue on the characteristics and us as his representative, mm. what God's desire, what God's will is for us as his people, mm. uh, living a way that reflects that. Mm. So. Yeah, the idea that his name is I was, I am, and will always yeah. be is maybe... A much less eloquent, but yeah, yeah, more yeah. accurate sort yeah. of, you know, meaning. So let's mm. let's get into this question that yeah. we're talking about the Lord's Prayer. Mm. So I'll read them both and yes. then we can kind of yeah. unpack them as we go. So they're both around prayer. Mm. So the first one was, is there any instruction in the Bible about who to address prayers to? Mm. 
God the Father versus Jesus. Mm. It's the yeah, verbatim that was, sort That was of the first question, question we got. Straight we go. from the bat, whoever that was. <laughs> so to, to honor that, we will answer <laughs> yeah, it. But yeah. a similar question that came through was, I've been taught to always pray to God through Jesus. Mm. Is that necessary? Or why is that? If it's the Holy Spirit that is present with us these days, wouldn't we pray through that person of the Trinity, I'm assuming? Yeah, is there's the, a 200-word yeah. cap, so yeah, yeah. ran out of so, lot to unpack yeah. there. Um, first of all, who do we address prayers to? Yeah, great question. <laughs> um, Jesus' model is obviously the Father. It's like, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. But then Jesus too also accepts prayer. So in John fourteen thirteen, but this is where it gets confusing. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified mm. in the Son, mm. and you may ask me me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Mm. And so here Jesus is saying, you can pray in my name, and with that mystery of mm. Jesus, God, and Spirit, Jesus mm. almost takes that prayer. This is me probably, oh, it's bad theology, but like takes that prayer mm. and somehow... God the Father acts through that. Like that's that's the way I kind of see that. Is Jesus is the mediator, hmm. almost receiving it like he's representing. I don't think that's bad theology. Okay, I'm glad. I think that's good theology. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like oh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. or yeah. hearing a kids talk prayers like oh, we shoot our prayers up to heaven. That's what I felt like I was going. Sure. With my hand. Yeah, but Jesus but, yeah. is not just a mediator. Yeah, he is also God. Yeah, but but mm. I suppose where you're going there is not yep. just a mediator representing prayers perfectly mm. to the Father, but in some ways also a messenger. Yeah. Not to diminish his role, because I think sometimes we can think of a messenger yeah, yeah. as a, a lowly lot. servant, yeah. um, but it is the idea that he is both taking that prayer to the Father mm. in a way in that moment mm-hmm. when they're praying yeah, to yeah. Jesus there. Um, and he's also then representing it perfectly mm. to the Father. Yeah. So let's so obviously in that, um, there is the question, and we might break it up into two parts. Mm. I've been taught to always pray to God through Jesus. Mm. Is that necessary? Why or why not? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. See, in reading something like John 14, you'd say, yeah, that's that's quite necessary. But then you read 1 John 5, this is 14, it says this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Yeah. And so I think when John is using God, he's probably referring to the Father. Mm. And so it's almost like, oh, you can just go directly to God. Yeah. And so I was reading an article and it said, who do we address it to? And it's like, Jesus, Father, and the answer is like yes to both. Mm. I think there's a yeah, and yeah, the I guess one of the things is is because we break the Trinity into you know Father, Son, Spirit. We sort of like think that even though we're like, hey, God's one, we sort of almost think of him as like three people. Yeah, it's a very modernist way to look at it, breaking it up into these kind of strict categories with boundaries. And so, look again, going back to that Bible project video, we are just two G. 2D objects looking mm. at a 3D image going, that's impossible. Mm. And so there is an impossibility to this mm. that we just can't truly wrap our heads around. Mm. If you pray, and we we're even talking about this, how our prayers shift. Like I know in our prayer before we recorded mm. this, I went, oh, dear Father, and then shifted to Jesus mm. and didn't use spirit. But yeah, shift mm. between Father, Jesus, mm. Lord. It's yeah. sort of, yeah. 
Yeah, I know a lot of people would pray like, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. You know, there's this idea of thanking Jesus Mm. for the sacrifice he made. Father, we praise you. I think that even Jesus's, um, you know, prayer Mm. that he gives to his disciples, again, the Lord's Prayer, Mm. like just taking it back to basics. Mm. Jesus doesn't say at any point during that prayer, you need to invoke Mm. Jesus to get to the Father in a prayer. He says, when you pray, pray this, our Father. And then that, that's it. There's yeah. no mention of the Holy Spirit. There's no mm. mention of the Son, Jesus yeah. Christ, Messiah, in that prayer. So I think simply, like, my thought would then be on that, that, no, you don't need, need to, to invoke yeah. the name of Jesus, which even in itself we've spoken about before in banter. I mean, it's Yeshua. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if, if, Does if you a, know how many Yeshuas there were back in the first century? You know, but if a specific order of vowels and consonants is really yeah. that important, we're getting it wrong anyway, yeah. because like, Jesus yeah, is sort of a... It's almost a made-up name. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a gentrification yeah, yeah, of, like, <laughs> Yeshua. Yeah. Like, I find it hilarious that Joshua is probably more accurate. If yeah. we're going to be, like, praying, Dear Joshua. But we would yeah. feel that that was... Dear Josh. Yeah, like, it, it just... Yeah, mm. I, there was... At Regent's Park, there was this older lady um, that taught Sunday school. And one day she goes, oh, there was a church I was at, and we had a Spanish family. One of the boys was called Jesus. I just yeah. felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. That, and I just felt almost yeah. blasphemous. Yeah. I said, do you realize that Joshua is... She's like, oh, really? Mm. I was like, yeah. Every kid that's called Joshua, it's yeah. probably closer to... Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny how... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, digress, yeah, yeah. but well, but quick, can you can you pray to Joshua if 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 you're not doing it to be you know sort of well yeah like it, 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 <laughs> irreverent like, but to, yeah, like, yeah yeah Yeshua Joshua like it's yeah like in Greek Inesus is how it's written like yeah. Yeshua mm. and so Jesus is just a like from the Inesus to like the Latin form to Jesus mm. uh, Jesus is just the name we use and I don't think that's that's not the issue in itself. Like Jesus obviously understands mm. when we're using that name. He's mm. not like, ah, oh, my name's Yeshua. That's how it was pronounced. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, I'm not listening to your prayer. I think that's, that's really important. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's even remember. the word God. Like God's an English form of, yeah. like in Hebrew, it's Elohim. Yeah, yeah. But in, our in God is Greek, a... it's Theos. Like we're not going off dear Theos, like totally. dear Elohim. We say God because yeah. in English it's God and God understands that. Yeah. Like, and I, I think in all of this, we can recognize that we worship a God of grace. Mm. We worship a God that desires relationship. Um, And I think it's safe to say that God isn't going to discredit us um, for praying to any part of the Trinity. I think that it is theologically sound to Mm. pray to any part, Um, God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit. I suppose my one thought would be, Mm. um, what part of the Trinity do you pray to more and what part of the Trinity do you pray to less? Mm. And maybe as just an interesting spiritual exercise, what would it be like if you sat down and prayed to a part of the Trinity that maybe you sometimes neglect a little Mm. bit? Um, Not that I think the Trinity is this jealous sort of being that, you know, is going to be mad Mm. if you haven't been, because again, God of grace, I think all of that is the foundation, but I think ultimately um, a God who continues to invite us into deeper Mm. revelation and exploration of relationship with him Mm. um, is going to, yeah, enjoy us sort of exploring the full facet of his triune nature in prayer. Mm. Um, So in that, the second part of that second Mm. question was, if it is then the Holy Spirit who is present with us these days, wouldn't we pray through that person of the Trinity? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
Also another great question. <clears throat> I, I was reading this, I got this passage here from Ephesians, which I find interesting, which may not answer that question directly, mm-hmm. but it says this Ephesians 1, this is Paul's prayer, goes, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. Hmm. I like about that. You see all the trinity there. So Paul is praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> the glorious Father, so got Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so this, so Paul's linking here the spirit as giving us the wisdom and discernment mm-hmm. that we can understand God as a trinity better, whether it be the Father or the Son. Mm. Yeah, there's not like I did a little Google search on praying the Spirit. There's not many verses that say pray to the Spirit. We can pray in the Spirit. Mm. And Jesus talks about you know the woman. There will come a time as a woman at the well in John four. Woman, there will come a time where you know worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Mm. And so there's this sense of yeah, God's Spirit is everywhere, mm. and this the Holy Spirit He lives within us. Mm. Living stones are the holy temple. Mm. And so yeah, there are times when for me personally when I feel Sounds weird. Almost need like a more spiritual prayer. I actually pray in like Holy Spirit, like mm. come now and sort mm. of baptize me or wash me or mm. I, I like this sort of, yeah. Because Jesus calls the Spirit another helper, another comforter. Another yeah, the advocate. advocate. Yeah, mm. it's a hard word to translate. The paraclete, mm. paracletos. Mm. It's hard to kind of, but that's kind of the words they use. And so... Mm. And in Greek, it's alos, another. And it's mm. alos of like the same. So Jesus is like, I'm not leaving you as an orphan. Mm. So, yeah. That's my thing. And we know the Holy Spirit is a person. Mm. Uh, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Mm. That was Peter. Mm. He preached that sermon on Ananias and Sapphira. You know, mm. that's just a nice, easy passage. For, yeah. Yeah, was that in a... preaching class or chapel service? Is that in? Oh, I chose it, yeah, for preaching class. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, like it's Peter identifies that. you and it's like, well, clearly, if the Holy Spirit wasn't a person, mm. that sense it was just a power, why mm. would it, it be so upset? Well, clearly. Mm. And so, yeah, I think you can, again, like this, going back to our distinctions of the Trinity. Mm. And in my mind, even talking about it, I kind of think of them as being sort of three separate. I was like, no, no, but still one yeah. God. So we're praying. I mean, we yeah, pray in yeah. the Spirit. Yeah, we're still praying to God. Like, Jesus is still... Yeah. Them. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, but I like your challenge of like, yeah, mm. we, who, what parts of the Trinity are we praying to? Mm. If it's Father, that's fine. If it's Lord Jesus or mm. if it's the Spirit, mm. Mm. God's still going to hear him. Mm. God still wants us to pray. And yeah, it's interesting. Oh, all the Trinity, probably the Holy Spirit's the forgotten part. And that's what be good for next week when we look at. Yeah. So, yeah. No, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, again, uh, anybody listening today who has more questions specifically on the on the spirit um, <laughs> or especially on the spirit, mm. encourage yeah, you to yeah. Um, shoot those questions through this mm. coming Sunday. Um, I'm, I'm going to butcher this this question um, <laughs> in, in trying to read it, but I'm, I'm going to do my best. Um, so someone asked, are you saying that Jesus um, is a man? Um, because he is God in human form Mm. and that he then became a perfect man um, and therefore had power um, and miracles which came from God. God, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, by by its very nature, 
um, the idea of Jesus being 100% man and 100% God is a contradiction as yes. far as I'm sure Josh Pete would agree with us. Yeah. Old Jesus Pete would yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> agree with us that that's um, yeah, a, a little bit of a mathematical conundrum yeah. there. Um, but what would you respond to that? So yeah. is that what you're saying, Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> so I would go back again to this whole two natures concept, the, the kenosos is that, so there are some people like when Jesus talks about like limitations and not knowing say well Jesus is not omniscient so therefore Jesus isn't omniscient now and omniscient is yeah I like all knowing yep. like knows everything yep. um, Jesus as a man was fully man mm-hmm. um, in the picture of the little slide I got I picked a picture of Jesus sleeping on a boat mm. now I remember one time a Muslim said oh in Genesis, it talks about God resting. How can God rest? Mm. I'm like that, that's a great question. Mm. God didn't rest. How we think God ceased. Mm-hmm. So God wasn't tired. Mm. God ceased resting. He rested because mm. it was ceasing, not because mm. he was tired. Yeah. On the boat that night of the storm, Jesus was tired mm. and fell asleep. Mm. Now there's some cool little Old Testament allusions there. It's riffing off Jonah. Mm. What was Jonah doing on a boat? He was asleep during a storm and mm. got woken up and calmed the storm. So there's a sense jo- Jesus is reenacting Jonah. Yeah. But also, too, Jesus was tired. He'd been teaching all day. Mm. And then, yeah, his human nature mm. needed to sleep. And so, again, going back to Luke 2.52, which I find just... I love the Bible. It has these real, like, yeah, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. You're like, that's so short, but so deeply profound. I want to know what that means. Like, mm. how did Jesus learn? So I left wondering. Mm-hmm. Jesus had to be fully man. And to quote Hebrews, um, yeah, for we do not have a high priest. This is Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. If Jesus wasn't fully human and didn't undergo the same sufferings and trials and temptations we are, it makes his sacrifice more meaningless. His high priestship, it's not relevant. If he just seemed to be human, like mm-hmm. what was taught in mm-hmm. those early centuries of the church, when it's like, well, then he's, yeah, like it's, that, that's the whole point of him being mm-hmm. tempted in the wilderness. Jesus mm-hmm. is recapitulating like Adam and the wilderness generation. Mm-hmm. He Moses. Oh, actually, Adam and the wilderness. Oh, yeah, sorry, both. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Adam so, and then Moses and the wilderness Yeah, yeah. So, so. Um, so Adam in the sense so he Jesus being baptized with the Spirit and... At that moment, he's a priest, yeah, essentially, because sure. John the Baptist is a Levite. Yeah. Um, and so Levites baptize other Levites to get into the priesthood. And so yeah. you have to kind of dig deeper for this. But you see, when, when Jesus is like baptized by the, baptized by John, the Spirit comes upon him. Mm-hmm. And they sort of look at him as a Davidic figure, like he's been anointed for ministry. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for that kingship, but also that priesthood. Now he can baptize others with the Spirit. Yeah. And, yeah, be that priest, be that temple. Because yeah. essentially that anytime Jesus performs a healing, he's acting as a, a moving temple. Mm. Like the word became flesh. And mm. so when Jesus goes into that wilderness, he's sort of taking on that Adamic role. Mm. Adam was called to you know, to rule and subdue over the animals mm-hmm. and Satan in the Bible is presented as a serpent. And mm-hmm. so Jesus overcoming that temptation to Adam didn't listen to the words of the serpent. And also taking on the role of mm. Israel, like mm. 40 years in the wilderness, 40 mm. days. So Jesus felt real hunger, real temptation, mm. all of that. Mm. And then in the garden of Gethsemane is even 
really riffing off Genesis mm. imagery. Here sure. he is in a garden, just yeah. like the first Adam. Jesus is identical. Yeah. Paul calls him the last Adam or the second yeah. Adam. And he says, you know, if, I, if it's, you know, remove this cup, mm. yet not my will, but yours be done. Like mm. that, that's a real temptation in his yeah. earthly yeah, nature. Jesus doesn't want to do this. Mm. Mm. And I think that for us is way more powerful is that that's how he can be our high priest who identifies with us. So mm. in that, yeah, Jesus is fully human, mm. a human who's filled with God's spirit, mm-hmm. who is God completely. And this, yeah, keep going back to the M word, the mystery of it. Like Jesus mm. has to be fully human. He grew in wisdom, was born and fully developed in Mary's womb. Mm. Yeah, that whole emptying yourself language from Philippians 2 mm. and grew as a man, but was also mm. divine. Mm. So, yeah. Um, so, he, yeah, he obviously was a perfect man, but that's not because he was a robot, if that makes sense. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, he still had, he still had yeah. to make decisions. Still had choices. a human heart, still had yep. a human mind. Yeah. Still had mm. human eyes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And had to make those choices. <clears throat> and in scripture, we're only really given those two temptations. I know. We're sharing off air, but several years ago, Mark Driscoll, if you know him, pretty controversial guy, but preached a sermon saying, you know, don't you think Jesus wanted the arms of a beautiful woman? And mm. yeah, really raised a lot of people. So it was, ah, how dare you say that about Jesus? But mm. yeah, that, that Hebrews passage tells us, yeah, and I'll read it again. He's, but we have one who's tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did mm. not sin. So. Mm. That is what I find is just utterly unique about the Christian faith mm. is that we worship a God who is a man. Mm. No other religion teaches that. Mm. Jesus is, I mean, Islam is a good prophet. prophet. Yeah. 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 Um, Buddhism, Hinduism. Uh, Hinduism might accept Jesus as a God, one of the gods. Yeah. Buddha, a teacher. Yeah. But yeah, like, it's a profound, I've spoken to people, it's a profound, like, for them, for people that aren't can't, can't comprehend Jesus being God, it's like deeply, like almost offensive, or just what you worship mm. Jesus as God, mm. and yeah, that's the mystery of it all, mm. incarnation. So. so, so in all of that, we're, yeah. we're talking about this mystery, and then mm. ultimately, when he comes to Earth in his ministry and starts sort of equating himself to mm. God, mm. Um, this is something which. You know, I, I think justifiably so. Some of the religious leaders think it's <laughs> quite blasphemous because yes. let's be real. And I think it's an important exercise just mm. quickly to sometimes put ourselves in the shoes of the Pharisees and the yeah. Sadducees. Because the reality is if somebody rocked up on Sunday and said, hey, like I am God made flesh, we wouldn't be like jiving with it. We'd be no. like, hey, you're a heretic. Yeah. Get out of our church. Yeah. Um, so I think it is important sometimes yeah. just to have a little bit more empathy for the Pharisees and Sadducees sometimes, mm. in particular in some of their responses to Jesus. Mm. But the reality is, um, yeah, Jesus was accused of blasphemy, essentially, for this yeah. message that he brought. Um, this is something that we're going to talk more about yeah. on Sunday. But, yeah, there's yeah. two passages in particular. There is, yeah. So a, f- a few different sort of, I guess, cults or sects or whatever you call them, like Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons would mm. say Jesus wasn't divine but created the gods mm-hmm. first and created mm-hmm. you know, act is some sort of angel and uh some people say well jesus never actually says i'm god outrightly he never says i'm god and so they say yada yada so that means yeah anyway 
Read passages here like in John. I have a number <clears throat> in my notes, but John 10, 31. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to him, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you a mere man claim to be God. Mm. They knew exactly what he was saying. Mm. Like there's, That's what's actually great about John is he identifies this. Yeah, John 5, 18, John 8, 58, John 11, 8. John 19, so there's a number of times where they want to stone him. Mm. They recognize what Jesus is claiming. Mm. Yeah, and I, I love John 8, 58. It says, Very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Mm. <laughs> and then the verse 59 says, At this they picked up stones to stone him. Like they knew exactly what he was saying. He's mm. claiming he's Yahweh. Mm. That's like, yeah, that is... Huge. So while Jesus never says, I am God, mm-hmm. or even if he says, I am the son of God, there is enough clues in the text to show us that, yeah, Jesus and his opponents knew what he was claiming. And then the closest we get to Jesus identifying himself as the mm-hmm. son of God is um, during his trial. And so Matthew mm-hmm. 26, 63, when the high priest said, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. And Jesus responds, you have said so. <laughs> And but this I tell you from now on you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. So he's quoting from Daniel seven, which we spoke about yesterday about the Son of Man. Mm. And um yeah, Caiaphas knows exactly what that means. Mm. <laughs> he tears his tears his clothes. He's spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, you've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Mm. So that's the closest Jesus comes to saying, I am the Son of God. He says, Well, you've said so. Mm. Basically saying, Yep, mm. that's me. Mm. And yeah, Jesus' title is, he always refers to himself as the Son of Man, which, yeah, it's interesting. Like that Daniel language, Daniel mm-hmm. 7 language. Even Ezekiel, Ezekiel's always called Son of Man. Mm-hmm. So there's a identification with humanity in that. But also from Daniel 7, we know that Son of Man isn't just some dude. Mm. It's God. He sits down mm. on the throne next to the Ancient of Days mm. and claims all authority for himself. Mm. So, yeah, look, I think that's... Yeah, if you ever kind of counter people that sort of suggest that, there's some yeah, good passage to look at. See how his opponents reacted and mm. didn't just accuse him of blasphemy once, but yeah, several times. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, I think I think to finish, um, it could be helpful to look at some of these questions around the angel of the Lord. I know mm. that it was probably something which uh, for a lot of people was new information. Mm. Um, and I, I know that it's uh, something the first time I started looking at this stuff really sort of opened my eyes to these moments mm. in the Old Testament. You're like, oh, okay. Um, but obviously it, it is a, um, a journey and it's something that mm. as you start looking at the theme of the angel of the Lord throughout the Old Testament, um, <clears throat> can, yeah, just, I think some guardrails for lack of a better word can mm. be helpful just to try and help us identify when is yeah. it the angel of the Lord as, as far as a pre-incarnate <laughs> Christ, uh, when is it, um, an angel of the Lord. And I think that one example that somebody asked was, um, did the angel of the Lord in brackets, Jesus appear to Mary um, and say, she will bear a child, mm-hmm. i.e. Emmanuel Jesus. That is something that we obviously looked at on, on Sunday, but maybe we can take a quick sort of trip down uh, Luke one. Yeah. Um, and we'll first go to the sort of announcement to, to Mary. Um, so obviously, in this moment, 
Um, it says in um, Luke one twenty six, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town mm. in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Uh, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Um, I think for the sake of this point, that's probably enough mm. of the scripture. But what would you say there? Um, what, what, what would you ascertain from that passage? Yeah, so Luke's identifying Gabriel. And Gabriel, if you aren't aware, he only appears one other time in mm. scripture, in the book of Daniel. Mm. And when Gabriel appears, he's to give Daniel... Um, Interpreting the, the 70 weeks, highly mm. complex, like prophetic literature and Christians have so many different views on it. But essentially the 70 weeks are a blueprint for God's final plan. And so Gabriel appearing here to both, he appears to Mary and to um, um, Zachariah, mm-hmm. which is a, yeah his wife Elizabeth who gave birth to John the Baptist. It's mm-hmm. showing here that the final days mm-hmm. are beginning. And so... Yeah, it's very different than just the angel of the Lord, an unidentified character mm. here. Yeah, New Testament author, Luke, is... Mm. I don't, mm. Clearly, this is just an angel. This is a spiritual being, not Yahweh yeah, incarnate as a fire or as a mm-hmm. yeah flaming shadow or as mm-hmm. in some sort of human form. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I said yesterday, but to reiterate, there's... 214, I think it says, appearances of the angel of the Lord, and they reckon mm. about one third. So the clue, the passages that we picked, and there's lots of others that we didn't talk about. Mm. Look for the look for the change in how the angel figure is portrayed. So oftentimes it starts the angel of the Lord, and then it becomes the Lord. Mm. Like, and the the burning bush is a classic example of that. You know, the angel of the Lord appeared. Moses sees it. He'll go over when the Lord, Yahweh, saw he'd gone up. So mm. there's that shift. And mm. you're like, oh, this isn't just an angel. This is Yahweh. And so, mm. yes, like Daniel, he sees angels. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily see like Yahweh mm. in human flesh. Mm. Or I shouldn't say human flesh, like flaming mm. <laughs> there, mm. persona. Um, mm. So, yeah. So it's always a bit of that caveat. Mm. And sometimes the characters too will say, oh, I've seen the face of the Lord or the face of God, and that's another clue mm. that they recognize, mm. oh, there's something deeper mm. happening here. Mm. So, yeah, mm. and like what the Bible Project said, which is really helpful, and going back to that, is that, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is not identified as the angel of the Lord. Mm. Any time the New Testament angel appears, you meant to think of like a Gabriel or a Michael in Revelation or mm-hmm. the angel that helps Peter out like they are. Yeah, aren't angels, uh, to quote Hebrews, aren't angels ministering spirits sent out to serve and, you know, protect those? can't remember the quote, but essentially, I'm butchering the quote, but essentially like, angels are there to minister. Yeah, yeah. They're part of God's, um, yeah, to, to God's agents. That's a good word. Yeah. Use the word agents. So there's yeah. God's spiritual agents to do his spiritual bidding and humans are God's human agents to do mm. his bidding on earth. So, mm. yeah. So good. Mm. And yeah, I, I think that, you know, this is the other thing which is okay to um, admit mm. that, like, the Bible is made to be wrestled with. Like, yes. it's not 
um, an indictment on you <laughs> if the first time you come across a passage or, you know, mm. even the 50th time you come across a passage, yeah. uh, if there's something that confuses you, if there's something that, yeah, needs to be chewed on and wrestled. And I think that there's a lot of obviously different ways to, you know, um, try to unpack it. I think, yeah, just that really helpful meditation of does mm. the angel at any point recognize or identify mm. themselves as God? Does the character in the story, the human mm. character, identify them as God? Um, and yeah, ultimately, do they give themselves any other name, such mm. as a Gabriel or a Michael? Mm. Do they even, I think often there's a very clear thing when they are talking about God in a way of, of otherness. Yeah. You know, they're not identifying and, as and God. And what's interesting in Revelation, when John goes to worship the angels, like, oi, what are you doing? Yeah. He does it twice, actually. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just an angel. So, yeah. Yeah, there's times where, yeah, that more probably that's the only encounter I can think of. But mm. yeah, that's a great clue that this angel here is not mm. Jesus. It's not mm. God. It's mm. just an angel. Yeah. So. No, so good. And yeah. I think, look, ultimately, without going too off track, Satan was an angel who wanted the glory of God. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we do ultimately yeah. need to be a little bit careful not to elevate angels mm. beyond <clears throat> their place yeah. that they've been set uh, by God. Yeah. yeah, but it is, I think, a really interesting thing and that starts to really bring the Old Testament to life when we mm. see these moments of the angel of the Lord mm. appearing. And I think it's really helpful. Yeah, so, yeah and look, I'm probably angel... Unfortunately, probably just carry a bit of baggage in yes. English. A bit like I said yesterday, we think yeah. angels are fat, you know, babies with wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, or a like, like African American yeah. woman who like turns up in a white nightgown. Yeah, to, yeah, you know, <laughs> in, in like a fairy godmother way. Was, I don't know. I don't remember because I was too young. But those shows like in the nineties, touched by an angel. Yeah, like, it was yeah. like a bit, like in the, it was just like so. I have all these angel shows. I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes they can do a lot more harm than good. Yeah, these misconceptions. Where in Isaiah, you see like the seraphim, they're like six winged creatures. Like they're really kind of almost bizarre looking, some of them. And Mm -hmm. then others are like, well, in Jesus' tomb, they're Mm -hmm. described as men. Yeah, in white linen. Yeah, so I don't know. Anyway. We'll find out. <laughs> maybe, maybe we do need to do another series on angels. Uh, well, we are finishing up our Trinity series this week, looking oh, at the Holy it. Spirit. It's absolutely fine. So yeah. again, yeah, just encouraging you guys as you've been listening to this and as you uh, travel through the rest of your week to be thinking if you've got any uh, curly or fun mm. questions uh, about the Holy Spirit. Again, we don't promise that we answer them. <laughs> Look, I feel like I don't answer anything. That's God, it's a mystery. I don't know. Like, I still, like, yeah, I don't claim to have all the answers at all. I yeah, still understand. I do. I but find no. No. Not at all. I find that Luke 2.52 passage deeply, like, yeah, I'm like, oh, what does that mean? I just want to know. <laughs> I hate the little... I love the Bible, so I hate it. It just drops these, like, little nuggets that you, like, left to... Well, like I said, it's wrestling. It's good for us to yeah. wrestle with, to yeah. challenge us. It's made to meditate on. Yeah, not yeah, just yeah. to read out. I got that. Oh, yeah, so but. good. Well, yeah, we look forward to uh, unpacking Holy Spirit yeah. on a Sunday. It'll be, it'll be lots of fun. We'll see you there. <laughs> see you there, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.